following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining this episode 761 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the vivacious and filled with energy, Brittany Page, everybody. I want to talk about your new favorite documentary that you just can't stop promoting <laughs> and recanting, re, re, oh. recounting. Oh. <laughs> um. I will not say the phrase that we usually say, but yes, I am lacking energy today, but everything's going to be fine. <laughs> we'll get it worked out. Are you talking about my disinterest, we will say, in the Beatles thing on Disney Plus? Yes. Yeah. I, I am talking about the that. Ju- the, the, the hilarious joke that you're telling uh, right now. Wasn't designed... For that purpose, just it was designed to be informative about how much you uh, hate the Beatles. Listen, I I know everybody wants, everyone wants easy answers. Mm -hmm. They want, um, they want it to be binary in choices. Mm. That if I didn't like the documentary, I must hate the Beatles. Yeah. Or, or even that because I don't so much appreciate the genius of the Beatles, it must mean I hate them. Mm-hmm. That's not it. Yeah. But no, I think that documentary is boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so... seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 seemingly fifty five hours of them sitting around. Hey, listen to this. Doesn't this sound good? Jinga jinga jing. It just is that what who? Oh yeah, that's my Beatles impression. <laughs> I'm sure Jonathan and Team Ian right now are horrified at my Liverpool accent. It wasn't great. It It was not. It wasn't great. Yeah, I... I, Maybe it was just the mood that I was in. Oh, so you agree! Well, no, I... You also hate the Beatles. Well, I'm not a huge fan of the Beatles. I'm not ashamed to say that, I think. I'm not ashamed (laughs) to say it. It's just, I don't want to. No, you're very fearful. You're fearful of everyone (laughs) turning on you. That, you know me. I don't have that same fear. Yeah, right. Uh, As someone who's used to everyone turning on me, I... Listen, mm-hmm. it is not turning on you that um, the audience just automatically gives me credit for all of the fucking insightful and genius <laughs> things that you say. I don't yeah. know why it upsets you. I mean, I feel great yes. that I get credit just showered with praise <laughs> about all of the super intelligent yeah. things that you say. Well, good. I'm glad that you... I mean, at least somebody's benefiting. Enjoy that. I mean, between the two of us, one of us has to benefit from the latent and inherent misogyny of the audience. Okay, so what's happening right now? So I'm demonstrating just how not a fucking afraid I am. I... I don't know why it becomes such a thing for people when someone doesn't like... Something like they like. A band, yeah. Because I love 70s disco, R&B, um, soul. It, it comes with the territory for people to disagree with you about disco. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I meet people who don't think Earth, Wind and Fire is great and they don't know what they're talking about. But really, I don't, you know, I don't get mad at them. I just feel sad for them because they don't get it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so rather than think that it's like a personal attack on me, I'm just kind of like, whoa, what happened to you to make you so sad that you don't understand how great Earth, Wind and Fire is? That's all. Can I take us in a, in a, in a similar but different direction? Sure. And this is no one here. I mean, we don't we don't know that we have so many people in this generation that they would uh, get offended. But the one thing that did come to my attention watching that documentary that I don't fucking get, I'll probably never fucking get it. Yeah, is these four ding dongs from Liverpool? I wanna hold your hand, and girls are like having fucking seizures yeah. from just the the epi. Plactic. What's the apoplectic? Apoplectic. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, it's the Beatles. (laughs) They're just losing their minds. Yeah. From, I want to hold your fucking hand. (laughs) What kind of a milquetoast society did we have then? Is that what conservatives want to go back to? That's the make America great again? I mean, what a sight it would be if like Cardi B could go back in time and do wet ass pussy for everybody. (laughs) I mean, what would the reaction be? I said certified freak seven days a week. Who knows? Yeah. It would be great. I... Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. <laughs> oh. Anytime Cardi B gets front. I, mean, <laughs> I, replaced... I love how you keep that on the board. But when I'm like, hey, do you have the Marcus drop? You're like, nah, I, no, don't, no, no, no. I don't have that. I had like six or seven of the Ben Shapiro ones and I've slowly replaced them. Yeah. Because other things have taken uh, their spot. Yes. Oh, for you. For instance. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I would love to hear from the audience about their, their love or disinterest. It's more disinterest for me. It's not hatred because all I have to do is turn it the fuck off. Well, yeah, there was one scene that I saw on Twitter where someone made the point that it was like this two minute clip of Paul McCartney. And I forgot what song it was, but he was just kind of playing the guitar and and mumbling along. And at some point in there, like 45 seconds in, he had created the song. And that is pretty remarkable. I mean, watching the process of it, I Mm. guess, is pretty cool, you know? I guess I didn't. Like in real time, coming, coming up with a hit song and like watching that happen. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I... I don't. I don't buy that. That is what happens, or what happened. I, I think they they came to the table. It's the same with people who believe that Jay Z doesn't write any of his lyrics down. Hmm. He just goes into the studio, and next thing you know, he's got ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one. You know what I mean? Well, um, this is so interesting coming from you because normally I feel like this would be like a cynical Britney take on something, <laughs> and not a. Just, Not something that you would say, because, I don't know, you really enjoy creative endeavors and creative people. And yeah. like I, I, I know that you get excited around people who are very creative and you admire those people. Mm-hmm. So you know they exist. I guess you're yeah. just really suspicious of Paul McCartney himself. <laughs> you're like, I don't, I don't buy this from this guy. I don't appreciate the cut of that guy's jib. <laughs> no, I, I think it's that one. I also understand, and the, what I believe creativity to be is not 
It's like people with inventions. They believe that there's this eureka light bulb moment that happens. Yeah. Not that it's a process of discovery over time. Yeah. I believe the same thing about... Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I can relate to that example very specifically as like ideas that I've invented that have been eureka moments. All right. Like feet belts and the word fringe. Feet feet belts? (laughs) Yeah. I... I don't know that I knew about feet belts. Yeah, when I was a kid, it was a great idea that I had. Light bulb moment, as they say, <laughs> when I realized that, hey, we don't have seat belts for our feet in this car. <laughs> That's pretty dangerous. Wouldn't a neck or a face belt be more a important? A neck belt? That's dangerous as hell. <laughs> You're going to get choked out. So let me finish what I'm saying okay. in this train wreck of an intro, intro segment. Uh, I believe creativity to be a similar process to like invention. Yeah. So it's not just, oh, the spirit moves me. Oh. There's there's technical shit, that, especially with music, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, I don't know. Maybe you're, I you're could right. be wrong. It's, it's one size fits all, and no one could possibly come up with a hit song in the moment while they're strumming a guitar. You're right. Speaking of binary thought, that's exactly <laughs> it. Oh, you're right. It's only this. Yeah. How many hit songs have you written? Wow. You're just... <laughs> You're pulling out all the shitty argument hits. Fantastic. Uh, I'm thinking of how many other additional ones I can find. I think that mm, the well has run dry. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) No, I was going to bring up that I criticized uh, Jim Acosta in a YouTube video today. Oh. And I saw several of those. That you... He's on CNN. Oh, right, right. (laughs) You know. Yeah, no, I'm... Truly, I don't. I think that that's a legitimate question. I was just being a dick. Um, we're having a lot of role reversal on the show today. You're oh, you being pessimistic. You're not being a dick. It's, that's it's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. Interesting. Um, because of the drop, I forgot what I was saying. That I'm being the that I'm usually the dirty prick, and you're being a dick right now. Yes, yeah, so I don't actually believe that you can't criticize the Beatles because you haven't written. Um, a hit song. So that's not actually an argument that I'm leveling at you. Just so we're clear and on the same page. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Much appreciated. You're welcome. So if anybody's seen the documentary and has, and has walked away with a different... Uh, if you think it was riveting, I really would love to know. Because I was bored out of my fucking mind. I, I fell asleep. <laughs> I woke up what seemed like hours later and it was still happening. <laughs> oh... Oh, boy. 100% serious. Yeah. So, you know. Must have been a short nap. It, it it may have been. Sometimes those holiday couch naps, they really can come on you. They hit you hard. Yeah. So thank you to everyone who participated in the Thanksgiving episode. We hope that you all took a time to, uh, took some time to check that out. If you haven't yet, please do because you're community of listeners contributed to that episode and uh, gave their heart and soul and a lot of uh, emotion as they shared what they are grateful for this year. So definitely take some time to listen to that if you haven't already. Yeah, we we again, uh, it is it was nice getting back on the bandwagon. This being our seventh year doing it, I believe, after taking a break last year. So it it, it meant a lot to me that so many people did step up and yeah. Um, dig deep enough to find some things to be thankful for. It uh, it was nice. Mm-hmm. So let's let's cover a little bit of follow up uh, before we move on. A trial we didn't spend as much time talking about as we did the Rittenhouse trial. 
but a trial that you watched bell to bell several days in a row. Mm -hmm. In fact, you would went back and watch replays to catch the things that you had missed was the McMichael trial involving the murder, and now we can say the murder right. of Ahmad Arbery. Yeah, because they the three men, uh, Travis McMichael, his father Gregory McMichael, and then their neighbor William Roddy Bryan, they were all found guilty on charges including murder. And they were all convicted on murder charges. Now, those charges differed a bit depending on who we're talking about because Travis McMichael was the son who actually pulled the trigger. Mm -hmm. And so he got a more serious murder charge, but they were all convicted. So they are all convicted as murderers. Yeah. And the jury came back pretty quickly. I think that a lot of people felt if they had been watching this trial that this was going to be the outcome. I won't say the phrase inevitable outcome because we are talking about... Yeah, the American justice system. The American justice system, a white jury in Georgia, a very you know, difficult situation surrounding self-defense. We know how people feel about guns and self-defense. Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, a very different situation in that trial, but a similar, you know, line of reasoning in terms of self-defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was definitely... Very similar. It was fact. it was definitely a positive outcome that that this was the, the outcome for Ahmed Arbery and Ahmed Arbery's family. One aspect of this case that we haven't talked about is the district attorney, Jackie Johnson. Now, she was indicted on a felony charge of violating her oath of office and a misdemeanor count of obstructing police for her role in, well, not doing her job effectively and trying to provide cover for the McMichaels. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people had criticisms of this particular case because or or criticism of commentators that oh see the justice system worked right and if not for the video evidence that was leaked this thing would have never come to trial because of this woman Jackie Johnson who's alleged to have um obstructed any progress or bringing this case to court at all. In fact, it took 74 days yeah. for them to even be charged. Now think of that. Now we know because they've been convicted. They have been found guilty by a jury of their peers, guilty of murder. It took 74 days for them to even be charged because a video of the shooting yeah. had to be leaked online. And then there had to be activism, yeah. protests in the street. And without that, three murderers wouldn't have been held to account and would, have, would be free today to continue to do murder or whatever heinous crime that they felt uh, compelled to commit that day. So now that same activism that led us to this outcome with the McMichaels and William Roddy Bryan, they are now looking at Jackie Johnson. Start in Brunswick tonight, where some say the job is not done. It follows the convictions of three men for the murder of Ahmad Arbery. Demonstrators say they will be back to see ex-district attorney Jackie Johnson in court. And guess what? We're not finished yet because Jackie Johnson, she's on it. That's right. It's a lot. The former Brunswick district attorney has been scrutinized for allegedly violating her oath of office. People in Brunswick tell on your side, Tristan Hardy, today the fight for justice isn't over. 
Now that the McMichaels and William Bryan have been convicted of murder, there's one more name people in Brunswick believe should be added to the list. Because Jackie Johnson, she's she not dead. Right. The former district attorney allegedly violated her oath of office. One of her charges include obstruction and hindering a law enforcement officer. It took more than two months for Aubrey's killers to be arrested. Well, I feel like the people think that she's an um, unjust person. You know, she should get whatever the harshest penalty she could possibly get for what she's done. Johnson was indicted back in September. An official say she failed to treat Ahmaud Aubrey and his family fairly and with dignity. To Brunswick native Dwayne Hendricks, justice is holding the former DA accountable. I hope she gets uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent. First Coast News reached out to Georgia officials, including the state's attorney general's office, Brunswick district attorney's office, and the clerk of superior court. For the latest after Johnson's indictment, the chief deputy clerk in Glenn County responded, a court date has not been set. But this should teach her a lesson, to give her a lesson on what she done was not good. In Brunswick, Tristan Hardy, First Coast News, on your side. So I think one of the big takeaways from this case is what you said, Jesse, about how this is not an example of the justice system working necessarily because this had to be forced and activists had to overcome a lot of roadblocks and corruption in order to get to this place. It worked in spite of itself. Yeah, and hopefully now there will be increased scrutiny that people will understand this isn't something that... Uh, people are making up. This isn't an aberration. This right, is right. real. And hopefully we can get more people on board to actually care about these issues. Again, it's one of those situations where uh, thankfully there was a camera involved. Right. Otherwise, people would believe something, a completely false narrative about what took place. Yeah. So uh, we will continue to follow this. Uh, I believe this is very good news that officials are holding their own accountable because she was one of them right. at one point. Yep. Uh, moving on, uh, the the, uh, the other thing that, that really kind of exploded onto the scene over the Thanksgiving weekend was the existence, the discovery of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus, which is now, and one, we want to talk about this because we've tracked COVID and talked about COVID like everybody in the media mm-hmm. for the entirety of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But this one we want to talk about specifically because we want to let level heads prevail and cooler heads prevail, and let's not uh, let's not fail to take it seriously. But that, let's also not freak out yet because there is very little known, and um, the preliminary data doesn't really give us very much to go on. Dr. Fauci, thank you very much for joining us. So first of all, is Omicron in the United States? We don't know that right now, Judy. We are certainly looking very carefully to see if it is already here. But given the characteristics which we're starting to see unfold about this virus and what's gone on with other countries over the last 24 to 48 hours, 
I really would be surprised if we didn't ultimately have it here in this country. But right now, there's no definite evidence that it is here yet. Dr. Fauci, as you know, the World Health Organization is saying that this is a potentially very high uh, risk, uh, what the Omicron poses. Uh, but then President Biden said today that it's a cause for concern, but not a cause for panic. So how concerned should people be? Well, we have to take it seriously because the virus that was isolated and characterized by our South African colleagues, and I must say, Kudos to them for being so transparent and so helpful in collaborating and giving us the information in real time. It, it displays a constellation of mutations, Judy, that would be suggestive that it has a high degree of transmissibility advantage. And it could, in fact, evade some of the immunological parameters that we follow, like monoclonal antibodies and convalescent plasma and even vaccine induced antibodies. We don't know what the ultimate impact of that. It might not be a big deal at all, or it might turn out to be something that we're really going to have to address. So there are a number of unanswered questions, but fortunately, we likely will have the answer for them in a matter of a couple of weeks. Namely, what does our vaccines do when we induce antibodies? Will it neutralize this virus? And importantly, as we're getting information from our South African colleagues, when you do get infected with this, is it a severe disease or is it only very, a very mild disease? So it could be a highly transmissible virus without severe consequences or not. We don't know that. And that's the reason why the president very appropriately said we're concerned, we're paying very close attention to it. But they're really we should not be panicking about it. Is there early evidence, though, as to whether the vaccines being offered right now protect against this new variant? From our experience, Judy, I can say that I would be very surprised if the level of antibodies that are induced by our vaccines, particularly following a booster, would not have some effect in encountering this. Because when you look at the Delta variant, which is a variant that is not really one that the vaccine is specifically directed against. Yet, when you get a high enough titer following vaccination and certainly following a booster, you cover the Delta variant. You have a crossing over of protection to it. So knowing what we know about variants, I would be surprised if there was at least some degree and maybe a significant degree of protection. We don't know that yet till we prove it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. So things are changing very rapidly, but right now, at least 17 countries and territories have confirmed cases of the new variant. And as I'm looking at this list, I'm seeing several c countries where we have listeners because I was just doing the magnet addresses for the Patreon end of the year gift, yeah. the fridge magnet, and uh, 17 countries and territories, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Botswana, Canada, Czech Republic, Denmark, Germany, Hong Kong, Israel, Italy, Netherlands, Portugal, South Africa, Spain, Sweden, and United Kingdom. Germany confirmed its first infection with no overseas travel history. The, so, the fridge magnet, by the way, will give your whole entire household, if you put it on your fridge, immunity from Omicron. So oh, be sure and put it up there. That is <laughs> not true. Quite the claim. <laughs> so Dr. Fauci said 
a few important things. And the first one is we don't know a lot yet. He said a couple weeks, maybe. Yes. It's going to take some time. We need to gather more information. They need to gather data. And this kind of flies in the face of the response that you're seeing from the radical right-wing conspiracy theorists online in response to the news of this new variant, where you have scientists, public health officials coming forward to reassure the public, say that there's no need for panic. This is something that is certainly concerning, but we don't need to panic. Trying to tell people we don't have enough information yet. We need to gather more data. You have right-wing radical conspiracy goofballs that are already quite certain that this is all a conspiracy, that it is made up to control us, that it's happening, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's happening, quote unquote, right as things are starting to return to normal. <laughs> when, where is that? Yeah, I don't know where that is. And and that reminds me too. I mean, Dr. Fauci's talking about the importance of boosters. Of course, they don't know if the vaccine is going to be effective against the new variant. But as he discussed, there's, you know, promising signs that it will if you get your booster shot, which you should if you're eligible for it. Uh, anyone over the age of 18 who is six months out from their Pfizer or Moderna vaccine can get their booster shot. And anyone who's two months out from their Johnson & Johnson can get their booster shot. So make and, sure that you do that. And the FDA actually officially changed the language from any adult may get the booster to sh- to should. Yes. So it's it's an encouraged thing now. Yeah. So go get it. And I've also seen that from the right wing goofballs talking about how this is just another excuse for them to try to get you to get the jab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, listen, and when 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 Britney says right wing goofballs and conspiracy theorists, she's not just talking about your Alex Jones types. We're talking about mainstream conservative outlets like Fox News, which is obviously mm-hmm. a network of lies and conspiracy and propaganda and misinformation. Yeah, but it is the mainstream source of news for conservatives in the United States. Yes, absolutely. And here, we're going to play a clip of CNN talking with uh, S.E. Cup. It's it's John Berman talking to S.E. Cup and John Avlon. But they're going to play a clip of the, the Fox and Friends weekend show where they are purporting, they're, 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 they're putting it out there into the ether as though it's a fact or even a possibility that this is like a Democrat uh, invented thing, which is sinister and wrong and dangerous for the health and well-being of the very audience that they're broadcasting to. The nation will hear from President Biden today on the administration's planned response to the Omicron variant. It will take a couple weeks to figure out how much of a threat this thing really is. And the last thing anyone needs now is mindless politicking. But has that stopped people? Of course not. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson, a Republican, labeled Omicron the midterm election variant and claim Democrats are using it to win elections. And on Fox TV, in reference to Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg and his comments, the U.S. needs to tackle the pandemic before it can solve the supply chain problem. Listen to this. And now we see these new variants. So that's the answer is more lockdowns, more lockdowns, more fear. Um, and therefore, he doesn't have to do his job of fixing the supply chain because we'll just keep this whole thing going. It's always yeah. a new variant. And you can always you'll count on a variant about every October, every yeah. two years. <laughs> Joined now by S.E. Cup and John Avalon. S.E. is a CNN political commentator. John is CNN senior political analyst and author of Washington's Farewell and Wingnuts. How about that <laughs> for sober analysis, S.E.? Uh, well, listen, Fox is a drug, man. And that doesn't happen overnight. 
where three people who are intelligent, who've been around a while, who have done this for a while, I know those people, um, decide, well, I've got a big platform. I'm going to say that a very dangerous new variant 9,000 miles potentially away... Potentially dangerous new variant. Potentially yeah. dangerous new variant 9,000 miles away is the invention of an American political party that has somehow convinced the, the host country, the WHO, um, NIH, and all the other countries doing lockdowns to believe in this, uh, which sounds bonkers. It sounds bonkers. And yet, all three of them kind of in unison, oh yeah, just very cavalierly joking yeah. that this is probably a political invention. It is irresponsible, but that's the floor. Um, I think, I mean, that's evil. That is evil to get up and tell your viewers, don't worry about it. It's probably just made up. And so don't believe any of the other science. Don't believe about vaccines or boosters or anything else, because it's probably just Democrats. I don't know another word for that. Um, it's certainly beyond cynical in the back gets a backdrop of three quarters of a million Americans dead. And, and a lot of these folks do know better, but they're playing to the cheap seats. or They're playing to the C-suites. There, there, there are two, two scenarios here. Um, but look, you've got someone like Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who one day will also figure out what happened to that cat, uh, who's a doctor, who's, who's, who's the one saying this is a midterm election variant. Pandemics don't care about politics. We should know that yeah. by now. So let's have more of an actual fact-based conversation, which involves communicating like adults and not just trying to scare the hell out of everybody and find partisan advantage. In it's also absurd to think that, absurd. that any Democrat would think this helps them. It just, it's, it's, I mean... That in and of itself is ridiculous. The other thing is, this is going to be about science. Either this is a real huge problem or it's not. Let's hope it's not. Yeah. But let's not spread lies while we're waiting. And we are waiting. Like Anthony Fauci said, about two weeks, we'll have a lot more data, be able to make more clear decisions about what is going on and have a clearer understanding of what's going on. But in the meantime, you still just do what you've been doing. And That's I know right. that that varies across the country depending on where you are, but... I mean, even here in within Orange County, where we live, the city where we live, there's a lot more mask compliance, a higher rate of mask compliance yeah. when you go out in public, when you're at the grocery store, when you're out and about. If you go to where we used to live, which is closer to the Newport Beach area, it is um, not even 50-50, I would say. Oh, it's like it's just chaos. Yeah, no one's wearing chaos. a mask probably a significant portion are anti-vax. Also, a significant portion are Fox News viewers. Right, we actually... Which informs their belief. Just yesterday, out in the wild, at a restaurant, a woman was wearing a Let's Go Brandon hat. So, Nothing that was in was Newport Beach. No confrontation was had. No. Much to our chagrin. Anyway, listen. So, here's the other thing. I got one more clip of Fox News people. And... Will Kane, this is Will Kane being interviewed by Pete Hegseth, who was one of the weekend. They're both weekend. He doesn't wash his hands, right? Yeah, yeah. They're both weekend Fox News hosts. Uh, Pete Hegseth is the guy who says he hasn't washed his hands in about 10 years because he can't see germs. And if he can't see them, they don't exist. Something mm. he actually said. That's sexy. But this is Will Kane, who's a former ESPN sports commentator, now Fox News political genius saying that actually the Omicron is a good thing. Here, something really quickly. Here is how off base all the fear porn is, Pete. It's as likely, and you're right, you pointed it out in your great monologue, that we don't know much about Omicron. But it is as likely that Omicron 
is a good thing than something we should panic over. Respiratory viruses mutate, that's what they do, and they more often than not, not an ironclad, ironclad law, but more often than not, mutate into something more benign. And as you pointed out, in South Africa, it sounds very benign, does Omicron. So if we all get Omicron and achieve natural immunity, it can be a good thing. Based on nothing, this dipshit says that. Based on Anthony Fauci, who is the preeminent expert on infectious disease, says, we don't know. We just don't know. There's not enough information. And you have this asswipe out there just making wild, baseless freak show claims Mm -hmm. that are going to lead the Fox audience to peril because they're not going to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. The same, and, and, and remember this. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, when this was really coming on and we were starting to understand, these are the same people who were saying the coronavirus, not a big deal, just like the flu. Remember that. Yeah. I also want to say, though, to your point, like it's going to be detrimental for this population. It's detrimental for the world that this population refuses to get vaccinated and continues to... um... Yeah. When I say that, though, I'm speaking that their audience isn't the world. Their audience is a certain subset of people and they're going to run away with bad information. You know, we're not watching Fox news. We're not being swayed or, um, disinformationized by them. Right. I guess my point is, I don't know. Like I keep seeing these articles about how important it is to get people that are not vaccinated, vaccinated, and we've, we've been talking about that. We know that that's important. You mean even, I think I know what you, like there's a conversation about whether we should be focusing our efforts, our finite efforts on getting people boosted or getting people vaccinated who haven't been vaccinated. Well, yeah, because these variants are going to continue right. to pop up unless people are vaccinated. And this also applies, by the way, to getting vaccinations to everyone in the world. Yeah. Not just wealthy countries, but ensuring that we are sharing the vaccines with the world because these variants are going to continue to pop up if we don't get ahead of it with the vaccines. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know how we solve that problem when we have things like Fox News. And, you know, another... Well, I can tell you how we start. We could mandate vaccines on airplanes. It could be a federal mandate that he could do with a pen right now. Yeah. And they're not doing it. I have no idea why. That definitely needs to happen. But I also want to say I had an experience recently with someone in my personal life who had someone close to them trying to keep it, you know, (laughs) Um, just say it was me who had someone close to them test positive for COVID. They were unvaccinated. And they tested. The person who got COVID. Correct. And they got COVID and they never got tested. Never. Yeah. Never got tested. Not vaccinated. Got sick. Just decided to go back to work after they had passed. Just assuming they weren't uh, contagious anymore. Right. And assuming that it was COVID. I mean, they had, you know, all the classic symptoms. Didn't want to get tested because they don't want that on the record. They can't. So now they can either deny that they had COVID or whatever. Well, I don't know what the rationale was. I'm, I'm ascribing motive. Yeah, I, I think that they did. They said that they didn't see the point, I guess, right. was the extent of it. Dumb, um, fuck. But, Dumb fuck. But I bet that this is happening far more often than we realize, sure. especially with the kind of medical skeptic community, I guess you could call it, of these people who are either skeptic of COVID and its existence 
skeptic of the vaccines don't really want to participate in any of it. And so when they get sick, they just don't even go get tested. They don't worry yeah. about it unless it's bad enough that they end up in the hospital. They have to they have to get tested because they they have to go to the hospital. Right. So yeah. I think the takeaway here is here's what you can do. You can ensure that you're getting your booster. You can ensure that you are still wearing your mask in public spaces and you can ensure that when you have gatherings that you're doing it safely, right? Requiring that people are vaccinated, requiring that people are have to show a negative test before they come, whatever it might be. Yeah, listen, it, and it might be awkward. But yeah. you know what? This is the way we do this. You want to put this thing to bed? These are the measures we have to take. Right. Anyway. Thank you all so much. We'd love to your input. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email the show. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Get ready for this list, Jesse D, because all these people are getting magnets. You get a magnet. You get a magnet. <laughs> okay. Rachel A. Rachel A. Jessica. Jessica. Happy K. Happy K. J-Law. J-Law. J-Law specifically requested that that be the name. So that's what we do around here. J-Law it is. Thomas M. Thomas M. Mark E. Mark E. Thank you very much to our new Patreon supporters. You will all be getting magnets. And stickers, because you are new Patreon supporters. Stickers, you always get those. But magnets, those are the special end-of-year Patreon gifts. We're running that special. Yeah, it's a special. (laughs) Until the end of the year. So if you become a Patreon supporter before December 31st, before it is officially 2022, you will get a magnet. <laughs> so become a Patreon supporter and uh, we will get that out to you. Um, listen, there's already going to be a batch shipping out. I think that they could be in this first round with you within the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, Or even shorter time. Yeah, some of the magnets could be rolling out pretty quick here. So if you were in kind of the first run. And the reason we don't know is because we're not mailing them out. Yes. We have a distribution place that's doing it for us. Right. That's why we wanted you to send your addresses in or update them by a certain time, because if you were in that first run, you're going to you're going to get them pretty quickly here. If you are coming in after this point, then it's going to be sent in by me. And I promise I'm not going to get them out late, but it will be obviously later than other people get them. If you get it, feel free to take a picture of it and tag us. And not just that. We really... Brittany is suggesting it. I fucking demand it. I want to see where these things end up and really the condition of your refrigerator. That's really <laughs> that's the intelligence operation that I'm running here. Well, I I was thinking of it more in terms of listeners might be worried to ruin the surprise because we haven't shown what the design right. is yet. But if you get it, you get it. Don't worry about ruining the surprise. In fact, maybe it will help further incentivize people to want one. So if you get it in the mail, post the picture. If you're the first one to post the picture, 
will tell you you're the first. And congratulations. You don't get a prize. All right. We love you guys. Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. The Supreme Court is going to hear arguments on Wednesday, on December 1st, over a Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks and a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. So this one is one to watch. It is one that is obviously terrifying a significant portion of the population because the uh, 6-3 conservative court majority is going to be tested in this case. And you have Governor Tate Reeves. Oh, my God. In Mississippi. Listen, if you live in Mississippi, (laughs) I just want to take a collective moment of silence to really feel for the people of Mississippi because your governor is a fucking dumb fuck, an unbelievable moron who can't handle himself. You're getting uncomfortable over here. Uh, oh, what? Oh. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. See, now it's like, now it's like, oh yeah, we need to play a disclaimer for Brittany because Brittany thinks that uh, no, Governor Tate Reeves that. is a really stand-up no, guy what you who's don't really like smart. Is when I start calling people dumb fucks who are the dumbest dumb fucks who ever dumb fucked in the world. That's why it's just a disclaimer. So you don't have to disagree or agree. <laughs> it's just a fucking disclaimer. Yes. But listen, not a smart man, uh, an unbelievable accomplishment that he's able to tie his shoes in the morning, uh, not even talking about t- making media appearances and getting grilled by journalists who actually do have uh, some, some brain power. In yeah. Them. Well, now he's going on a... I mean, I, I don't really know what to call Maybe a promotional tour as he's gearing up for this case to go before the Supreme Court, trying to get the the press on it and uh, pro-life organizations yeah. focused and getting the getting the activists all excited in the pro-life community. At noon tonight, the governor making a full court press and standing behind Mississippi's abortion law that will take center stage in the U.S. Supreme Court this week. The governor joined pro-life leaders from across the state at New Horizon Church in Jackson tonight. The Family Research Council hosted what they called Pray Together for Life. Governor Reeves making his case not only at this event, but also appearing on NBC's Meet the Press earlier today. We know that tonight Mississippi is the epicenter of the pro-life movement. Tonight, Americans from all across the country stand together to protect and defend those who cannot protect and defend themselves. They absolutely ignore the fact that in getting an abortion, there is an actual killing of an innocent unborn child. A group of pro-choice supporters were also at tonight's event. The Supreme Court is set to hear arguments on the Mississippi law, which bans nearly all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. It is one of the latest efforts by Republican-led states to overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that established a right to the procedure. So it's obviously a very different court compared to the 2020 abortion decision, for example, where it was a 5-4 court ruling with Ginsburg 
uh, and Justice John Roberts forming a majority. Mm-hmm. Now it's a very different situation with Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch yeah. all having been appointed by Donald Trump. Wow, did you forget? Fantastic. That must be a good place to be. No, I didn't forget. <laughs> it just, I... A lot of names. I'm just I, giving you I, shit. Like, if you had talked to someone from the future 20 years ago and they said, Donald Trump appointed three Supreme Court justices and it's, like, going to determine the fate of abortion in this country. <laughs> I yeah, mean, no at the time, you're thinking, wait, who? Like the morally bankrupt New Yorker guy? Really? It's all the fuck we need. Yeah, that's not going to work for anyone. <laughs> how did that happen? It's, exactly. <laughs> it's probably how a lot of people were thinking in 1980 when Ronald Reagan won. Like the guy from the monkey movie? Yeah. The Bonzo the ape or the chimp or... Anyway. I, I don't know what you're referencing. He was in a movie with the with an ape, with, oh. the, with the chimpanzee. Okay. I need to brush up on my Ronald Reagan history. You really do. It's a it's a very very good time. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Roe versus Wade is absolutely in threat, and uh, I, people need to understand how it works. That if Roe versus Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court, it doesn't mean that automatically abortion is illegal in every state in the in the land. It means that each individual state can take it upon themselves to restrict abortions in any way they see fit until another case is brought which in a 6-3 court really isn't going to matter. So really, this again brings into focus why it's so important, why this the lesser of two evils thing, where people are like, I'm, I'm not going to be forced to vote for the lesser of two evils. Two evils are still two evils. I'm not going to vote for Hillary. <laughs> you fucking idiots. This is what we got now. Do you goddamn see what you did if you voted, if you refused to vote for Hillary Clinton because you didn't fucking like her? I didn't like her. I held my nose and voted for her. For the love of Jesus. Anyway. Oh. Was that therapeutic for you? Yeah, it kind of was. But also, listen, as, as comical as I'm being, the fucking jokester here, uh, this is a very serious thing. We're witnessing lives be tragically impacted by what's going on in Texas right now. Women who are having to go into debt for thousands of dollars in order that they can escape the state to go and pay for an abortion because they can't afford another child. This is what we're facing with draconian, totalitarian, bizarre, um, Christo-fascist bullshit going on all across the country, Texas, Mississippi, other states. So, yes, I'm making a joke about those types of people who made a value judgment to not vote for Hillary Clinton, which, you know, listen... This is what we got now because of that value uh, proposition that people made. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I want to say that it's not as though things are great in Mississippi right now anyway. There's only one abortion clinic in Mississippi yeah, right yeah. now. I think Louisiana is kind of in the same boat, too. And it's important to note that this Mississippi case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, that 
what what they're looking to do is uphold the 15 week ban like we talked about earlier. So if the court overrules Roe v. Wade, like you said, Jesse, it's going to allow states to ban abortions at any point in, in the pregnancy. And given how several states already have minimal access to abortion, right, if you have one clinic in an entire state, it's just going to be chaos right. and in dispro- red states. It disproportionately hurts poor women. Yes. And women of color. Right. In the South and the Midwest. Yeah, rich white ladies, well, they'll be able to fly to Los Angeles to get take th- their abortion taken care of. But it's poor people who aren't going to be able to do that, who don't have access to leave willy-nilly because their cars don't work. They don't have a car. They don't have a support network. They've already got kids that no one can watch. There's all kinds of other elements that take place here that means someone's life will be dramatically Negatively impacted. And this case is a big deal because it's actually the first time since Roe v. Wade that the Supreme Court is going to actually be ruling on the constitutionality of a law that prohibits abortion before a fetus is viable. Which also means that it's the first time that the Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case. Which is, I mean, it's scary. This is scary. We're going into December 1st with... A very terrifying situation. Yeah. Well, listen, it it should raise alarm bells all over our audience that this is the state of America. And this is the state of America because of the current state of the Republican Party that has been in decline since the 1960s. And we have finally gotten to a place where it is filled with radical nutbags like the person we're going to talk about next Lauren Lauren, I was going to say it because I'm getting better at saying it. Lauren Boebert. Wow. I did it. I think the trick for you is to not look at how it's spelled while you say it. I don't think that's the problem with this case, although that is the problem with many other times that I try to read something. Yeah. Yes. I have the same problem with the word scourge because it's spelled scourge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. It's also Donald Trump's problem with it. <laughs> it's a scourge. I don't remember him using that word. Well, speaking of scourge, uh, Lauren Boebert is yes. a scourge. Yeah. And this whole thing went down over the weekend where some uh, video was released of her again calling uh, Ilhan Omar part of the Jihad squad. Mm. And then she played, I think they may have play, may play the clip in this, but uh, if not, I'm going to recount what she said. She's given a speech to some yokels, and she says that she gets on an elevator, and Ilan Omar is next to her, and a cop is alarmed that she's on the elevator with her. She says she looks over at Ilhan, and she goes, well, she doesn't have a backpack on, so I guess we're safe. <laughs> All of the hicks in the audience laugh. Bigot Fest 89 over here. And then um, all hell broke loose. On Twitter, there was... Um, Obviously, calls that she was a bigot. Uh, there were no calls by any Republicans to hold her accountable. And uh, a call was set up between Lauren Boebert and Ilan Omar to, I guess, clear the air after Lauren Boebert gave some half-assed non-apology apology. And that's where we are. Hey, everyone. This is Lauren with a quick update on a phone call I had today with squad member Ilhan Omar. I had reached out to her Friday and three days later, I was able to connect with her on the phone because I wanted to let her know directly 
that I had reflected on my previous remarks. Now, as a strong Christian woman who values faith deeply, I never want anything I say to offend someone's religion. So I told her that even after I put out a public statement to that effect, she said that she still wanted a public apology because what I had done wasn't good enough. So I reiterated to her what I had just said. She kept asking for a public apology. So I told Ilhan Omar that she should make a public apology to the American people for her anti-American, anti-Semitic, anti-police rhetoric. She continued to press and I continued to press back. And then Representative Omar hung up on me. Rejecting an apology and hanging up on someone is part of cancel culture 101 and a pillar of the Democrat party. Make no mistake, I will continue to fearlessly put America first, never sympathizing with terrorists. Unfortunately, Ilhan can't say the same thing, and our country is worse off for it. Please know I appreciate you and your support. I appreciate you understanding that I will always shoot straight with you. This isn't about religion. It's about the horrible, failed Democrat policies and anti-Americanism that I will call out each and every time I hear it. I am here to protect your freedom and continue making this the greatest nation our world has ever seen. God bless you and God bless America. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what happens if Sarah Palin get kicked in the fucking head by a mule. Unbelievable bigotry and racism unabashed. And now she's trying to paint herself as the victim because the person she was being racist and bigoted against hung up the phone on her. She's the victim, not Ilan Omar of an of a disgusting uh, discriminatory attack. Well, it's a typical kind of gas lighting tactic, isn't it? Where people will set a boundary with someone who's being abusive. Yes. And then that boundary is made out to be the problem rather rather than the abusive behavior. And I mean, Lauren Boebert, God, um, <laughs> I'm back to the problem. I don't know what it is. Maybe I can't say it fast. Lauren Boebert, her entire personality is based on maligning Muslims, attacking Muslims, yeah, yeah. being prejudiced and biased and racist. I mean, th- this is what she does. Like, it's her personality. It's it's uh, her character. And now she's acting like because of her Christian faith, she can't criticize these things. She would never want someone to feel bad about these things. I mean, that's what she does. Is she does like these stand up routines. It's who she is. Right. Where she's launching these vile attacks and now she's trying to act like her faith calls her to be better? What? Well, all while still in a half-ass way saying that Ilhan is a is a terrorist. Right. I mean it's, it's I don't sympathize with terrorists. It's an empty it's an empty gesture and her statement as well was an empty gesture and the media was, you know, sending push notifications to my phone that Lauren Bobert apologizes right to representative Ilhan Omar no she didn't and yeah. it's clear that she whatever she wrote was meaningless because this is the ultimate effect yeah the media is really a problem here it, actually it's a great segue it leads us to the next topic which is you know the, it is a great segue the, thank the, you the question of whether or not good job Brittany <laughs> that's a real I got no you gotta clip. take my praise where I can <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apart from Britney's artful, very adroit and skillful uh, segue. Yeah. 
it does bring us to the topic of how the media covers these assholes, these radicals, and the question of whether or not Donald Trump is going to run in 2024. Right. And Jonathan Carl was just interviewed. He's got a book out, and mm-hmm. he's making the rounds in the media. And he's being asked about um, what can the media do correct this time relative to covering Donald Trump if indeed he does run for president. There's a lot of questions now being raised about how he would be covered in 2024 if he does enter the primary race, if he is a candidate for president. How how's the American news media supposed to cover that figure? Have you started to think about how you would approach a 2024 candidacy of Donald Trump? I have. It's an immense challenge because you're covering uh, you're covering essentially an anti-democratic candidate. You're covering somebody running uh, in a system that is trying to undermine that very system and somebody who is going to be perpetually lying. I mean, he, he's still, I think that the point of your previous segment is, is really on target. Uh, he is consumed and obsessed with 2020 and trying to convince the world uh, that that election uh, was somehow corrupt, that it was filled with fraud, that he actually won it. He is trying yeah. to repeat a lie so many times that people will believe it. And as journalists, you know, we, we can't allow... We, we, we can't allow we can't be a conduit for that lie. Uh, so it, it, it's an immense challenge. What does a debate look like with Donald Trump in it? Um, how do you how do you, you you can't air Trump's speeches unfiltered as often happened in, in, in the 2016 uh, campaign? Interviews are incredibly challenging. Uh, it, it's an immense challenge. I don't really have the answer yet, except to say that we have to do what we always must do. And that is uh, pursue the truth and pursue it relentlessly and without fear or favor. This is definitely the conversation that's starting to happen in newsrooms. And I can hear it very loudly on the outside, critics asking these questions, but it is happening inside newsrooms as well. We know normal is not the answer, but we don't know necessarily what the answer might be. We also don't know if he's going to run. Do you have a prediction? Of, what, where are you out in 2024 right now? I, 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 first, I would say that people around him say he's running. I mean, they say it's 100 percent. He's definitely running. Uh, but I actually am I'm doubtful about that. I, I think that he's going to want to make us believe he is running because it keeps him relevant. It keeps him it keeps generating attention for himself. But I'm not sure he really wants to do it again. I, I think that mm. for, for all his delusion about 2020, uh, the last thing he wants to do is to lose again. So the important part of that was Jonathan Carl calling Donald Trump, quote, essentially an anti-democratic candidate. Finally! Yeah, now, if you have been listening to the show for a while, you will know that Jesse and I, since the beginning of Donald Trump's entrance into the political scene, we have spoken about him as though he's not normal and that he shouldn't be treated like a normal politician and that for some reason the media was very intent on doing kind of a both sides thing with him like if they if they covered certain things that he did wrong they had to also make sure that they talked about something Hillary Clinton did wrong like it had to be very even-handed and i'm happy to hear Jonathan Carl finally say like this is an anti-democratic candidate who lies constantly and what is a debate going to look like? Well, we yeah, don't need yeah, to yeah. ask what a debate is going to look like with someone like this. We know. We know. And and the question is, what are people in the media going to do differently now rather than acting like what's happening up there is normal? Or that it's just kind of a 
a personality difference. Oh, that he's just more flamboyant. No, he's not. Right. He incited an insurrection against the United States government. Right. Incited violence against the Capitol mm-hmm. in an attempt to overturn a free and fair American election. Mm-hmm. He's not just another politician. He is an existential threat to the country. Well, and in other interviews, Jonathan Carl, because he is promoting this new book, uh, called Donald Trump delusional when he talks about yeah, yeah. his beliefs about the election and how he refuses to accept reality about about the election. Now, he's using that term colloquially, I would assume, uh, <laughs> and not diagnosing, uh, but that's his word in his view that he would refer to that as delusional. But it's, it is. It's colloquial. It's, yeah. it's not... I don't think he purports to be a mental health expert. Well, I'm just, I'm saying I'm... I've never seen Jonathan Carl with the DSM-5. <laughs> well, maybe he'll get the text revision that's coming out. <laughs> that's for another episode. Okay. And that is actually where we're going to leave you. We would we would uh, solicit your opinions. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo, a brief Voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. In the effort of moving the conversation forward, we want to have a conversation about these important topics. Listen, 2022 is coming up very quickly. We need to be on the same page about engagement, about activism, about organizing in order that we stave off the effects of both authoritarianism and the very real threat and active threat of fascism in America. We love to hear from you. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. It.